went to see the Lone Ranger on July 4th. Has anyone else seen it yet? Evidently not too many. <laughs> <laughs> not too many. Uh, how many of you saw Despicable or Monster or whatever it is? Okay, that's what everybody was going to see. And I uh, definitely took the numbers in the, in the box office. But Lone Ranger is good. I want to recommend it to you. Uh, Army Hammer plays the Lone Ranger, and he is the lead role, but really Johnny Depp steals the show as Tonto. And some, some people have said this is Pirates of the Caribbean, like part five, <laughs> in Western form. But it, it's a great movie, I, I thought. And, and I grew up watching them. I think I've seen every episode of The Lone Ranger. And so I wasn't too disappointed, although Johnny Depp brings a psychedelic, uh, new age kind of feel to Tonto. But uh, he does it in a Johnny Depp kind of way. But one of the things I noticed about the story is similar to other Lone Ranger um, episodes. And it's also very similar to uh, comics and even to really stories throughout uh, history. We, we have uh, a hero and then we have a villain. We have uh, in the Lone Ranger a white hat and he ends up putting on this black mask and they go into a little bit of why that is so in the movie. And then you have the, the dastardly villain, you know, with the curly Q mustache, which is what I'm working on. <laughs> and he's off plotting terrible things. And so you have this uh, guy who's coming in for justice to, to really try to set things straight and to go after those who are doing evil. And in this Lone Ranger episode, it's not only uh, this one villain. There are several villains in the story, and it all begins to unfold as you watch the, the movie. But during the, the, the flow of the movie, the Lone Ranger, he begins being this really good person who's really focused on doing good things and a strong sense of justice, but in about the middle of the movie, he's getting really worn out from doing good. And he begins to see that the villain is prospering. Everything is going his way. And for all those who are involved with him, everything, I mean, just prosperity and um, all kinds of doors that are opening for them. And, and here he is being punished and shot at and ultimately shot and left for dead. And he goes through this time when he begins to question justice. And is there really ever a way to have true justice? And he gets really discouraged. And you begin to think, okay, he's going to turn for the side of evil, not for the side of good. He's going to take off his white hat and going to put on a black hat and grow one of those weird mustaches. And yet he doesn't. He's able to pull through that and to keep going. But like with the Lone Ranger, in pretty much every story, you find this is true. I mean, look at the Greek tragedies or look at other stories that we've loved and cherished throughout history. There is always this time of questioning and discouragement. This good, really good enough to win out. Certainly the Psalms carry that tone too. You see, the psalmists who are uh, just crying out to God, God, I'm doing all of these righteous things, and my next door neighbor is just living a wild life of unrighteousness, and they're getting ahead, and I'm getting farther behind. I'm getting more and more problems. Well, that is the issue that we find in Galatians that we've heard here today. That is really at the heart of what Paul is writing to them about in this final part of his letter. And if you recall, we've, we've looked at this uh, several times, uh, just about Paul having visited the church and having shared the good news of Jesus Christ with them, that they could come to Jesus Christ through grace, 
and, and through faith in Christ, not based on anything they do uh, religion-wise. They don't have to become a Jew and then uh, become a full Christian. They can just access faith because it's out there for everyone to access. And yet there are people who are coming into their churches telling them, no, you need to be circumcised, you need to uh, follow the law, and you need to come through just like we did. Paul is so angry, and you can see his words and his language that's here in this letter about how mad he is that people are messing with his church. And so he writes to them. He says, who cut, you know, you were running a great race. Who cut in on you and kept you and made you stumble and kept you from crossing the finish line? Why are you listening to them? Why not go back to the gospel and embrace the good news and the grace of the gospel? So as he's doing this, as he gets toward the end, he comments a few things that you know, it would be hard to imagine. Any church that is uh, having a little bit of infight with itself, right? You've probably not ever been in one of those churches, have you? Really? <laughs> but uh, as they are uh, having some problems, just like any family, where people sometimes don't get along, uh, that's what's happening in their church. And so Paul says, hey, don't tear each other up, but instead bear one another's burdens. And through this, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. This way, you'll be able to continue on in the way that God has for you. But he then talks about farming a little bit. He talks about sowing. And he says, be sure that you are sowing things that are of the Spirit. And he's alluding back up to the part of his letter where he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And, uh, he, but he realizes they're getting tired, much like this guy, uh, who's been out plowing the fields and trying to get his uh, fields ready for a big harvest one day. But in the midst of doing all this, he gets really exhausted and tired. And Paul says, that's the way it is with you. You're out trying to bear fruit, but you're getting weary because you see around you that there are all kinds of problems. And I think I had some pictures here. Uh, sometimes what happens with a crop, like uh, when a drought comes and you have planted everything and you so carefully put it in the ground and you had great dreams and envisioned possibilities and you envision income coming from what you planted in the ground, but then there is no rain that falls to the earth and the sun comes and just bakes up your hope, and your future. Maybe your sorry old neighbor who doesn't really even care about farming uh, somehow has been able to get some water to his crops and they're growing and flourishing, but yours look like this. Or maybe you do get rain. It's the year that it rains, but it never stops raining. And your crops just wash out and you think, God, here I am trying to do everything right. I'm trying to feed my family and take care of my community and grow things. And yet, it just keeps going to waste. And this is how the people were feeling. Paul says, don't give up. Don't quit sowing the seed. Just because you don't see it today, just because when you look out you see devastation and problems and difficulties, don't stop. Keep sowing the seed of the Spirit. Now he does talk about the difference between the, uh, the seeds of the flesh and, and sowing to reap the harvest for your flesh. So there really, they, there could be two crops. I mean, you could have the things that come from the seed of the Spirit and those that come when you, you sow seeds to your flesh. And, and we know what that's like as well because we see that people around us who really have no uh, business ever getting a blessing or having anything go good for them, they end up getting all the good stuff and we're, as we're trying to live righteous lives over here, toiling and getting weird and getting nothing from it. 
So Paul, he writes to them, uh, and he says, the key to it, the way that you keep sowing, is that you keep looking ahead to the, the harvest that is to come. You keep looking and you see that one day, those little bitty seeds are going to take root, they're going to get the nourishment that they need, they're going to get just the right amount of sun, and they're going to come and bring forth a beautiful crop and a harvest of righteousness that is there for them. And I think Paul gives the idea here that it may not happen in your lifetime. The churches in Galatia needed to know it may not happen in their lifetime, but it would happen. Keep sowing. Uh, yesterday, uh, Jack and I went to uh, watch a, a baseball game, a Rangers game. Uh, actually, we watched it Friday night in, in Arlington and got to see a great game. I mean, Playing the Astros never is all that difficult, um, but they were able to, to win. I think it was 10 to 4. And Nelson Cruz hit, uh, you know, a grandstand home run. Beautiful thing. But the most beautiful part of this is when the usher who comes up the aisle and poor guy looked like he was about dead by the time he got. We were, you know, up in the nosebleed. Comes and he's passing out these little flyers, and the flyers are for uh, a free grand slam breakfast at Denny's. And I didn't believe it was free. You know, nothing is really ever free, right? So I looked through the fine print, was trying to read it and understand it. If you buy a beverage, then you get a free Grand Slam breakfast. So I thought, okay, Jack, our hotel breakfast was free, but we had to get this Grand Slam in. <laughs> and we were thinking that, you know, everybody else, I think there were 44,000 people there that night. So 44,000 people floating around somewhere in the Metroplex have these little tickets, and you can only use them and nearby Denny's, so we thought it's going to be packed, and sure enough it was, it was very crowded. When we walked into the room, uh, we noticed there was one big, huge group, and it was mostly uh, youth, like middle school, and a few high school, and then some of the, looked like what it, were adults and sponsors. And I just thought, oh man, they all had those tickets. And I thought, these waitresses are going to make zero. Uh, and so as, as I was watching all this take place, I mean, the waitresses were getting all frenzied, and. Uh, you know, trying to run around and get everybody a Grand Slam breakfast. And uh, I noticed there was a guy uh, at one of the, these tables, and he said, uh, uh, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. He kept encouraging her, telling her how awesome she was. And then not long after that, I hear this loud applause. I thought it was somebody's birthday, but it turns out he had gotten everybody, all the kids and the adults around the table, to encourage them and say, hey, don't we have great waitresses? And so this was going on all throughout the, the restaurant. And then uh, I heard him, uh, they, had, they were getting ready when they brought the food out to uh, bless the food. So then I thought, okay, this has got to be a church group. And they uh, bring the waitress over and they, they say a blessing for her. I thought, that is so neat. And then uh, after this took place, I heard the guy saying, okay, everybody needs to order a drink. Order the biggest orange juice that you can get because, you know, this is a free breakfast and we want to be sure that they're taken care of. So, you know, they start ordering drinks and get all their stuff. And then uh, at the very end, uh, I noticed he, he went up to him and he says, okay, everybody needs to leave a really big tip. They've done a great job, and you know, this guy was just way too enthusiastic for me. And I was working on my first cup of coffee, and I thought, shut up, you know? But he was really encouraging, and, and then I just got to thinking, there's something special about this guy. He didn't look like a pastor. Uh, in, in other words, he didn't look dorky. He, he, did not, he didn't look like that he was paid to do this, or that he was a youth minister or anything. He just looked like someone 
who knew the value of sowing some seeds in the life of the youth that were there. And I couldn't help but thinking as they got up and left about what kind of impact he had left on those, children, those youth. And, and I heard the, one of the middle school guys says, oh, I've got some sweet tea. And he was telling another kid how he took syrup and sugar and ketchup, <laughs> mixed it together in his tea, and he says, oh, that, I, I don't know why I never thought of that before. <laughs> sweet tea. And I thought, even with all that going on, these kids are going to remember. They're going to remember how to treat people who are serving them. They're going to remember how to treat other people that they don't know. They're going to remember how to treat women. In this case, all the, the waiters and the waitstaff, they were women. And they're going to understand the value of caring for people. But beyond that, even if this guy was having trouble with them in the, in the restaurant, he saw something bigger. He saw a harvest that was coming. And he realized one day these kids are going to grow up and be old enough to come back into this restaurant and pay for themselves. And, and they're going to remember this. And I thought about that. I thought about the importance of looking to the future. I'm sure he was getting tired at times of encouraging and trying to get them to do the right thing. But he kept going. And it was the future that kept him going. Now, we need to hear that today as well, don't we? Don't we need to, to hear an encouraging message about the need to keep on going and to keep on sowing and to keep on doing the right thing? Paul is writing a very specific message to them that has direct application to us today. Keep on sowing. But keep your eyes on the harvest that is to come. So, as an individual, how do you do that? As you go back to work tomorrow, or as you... Go back to your, the place where you live, the neighborhood, or the apartment, or the home. As you go back to your family, as you go back there, or as you go out into this community, and you begin to serve and do things in this next week, how tempted will you be to just quit and say, I can't do this anymore. I'm not making any difference at all. Or maybe there is the question about, morals that's there, and, and an ethical issue. You keep doing, and maybe you've been doing good all of your life. You've been doing all the right things, and, and you uh, even when it costs you, you make the right decisions. And, and then you, you come to realize that even with all of that, you're paying the penalty. You are being shunned, or you're being put aside, or you're not getting the contract, or you're not getting the raise, you're not getting what you think you ought to get all because you're taking the righteous way. Meanwhile, everybody else is cutting corners and they're cheating and doing all kinds of things and they're prospering. Have you ever felt that way? You will, if you haven't. And we become like the psalmist who just says, you know, I just really would like to give up. I'll just turn and do things the way they're doing them because it seems like that's the way it works that God isn't real, that God isn't going to take care of me, that God doesn't care about me because he would have honored me for doing all the right things. And what Paul says is, nope, don't give up. If you keep doing the right thing, one day you will see a harvest come from it all. We need to hear that in our relationships as well. It's not just about living our individual lives. It's not just about ethical decisions. It is also about our relationships. We get tired in our relationships, don't we? 
we try to do the right things and we try to build relationships and, and sometimes those get really challenged. And that's what Paul was writing to them about. They loved each other, but they were just at each other's throats and pulling different directions. And Paul says, nope. He says to us the same thing. Don't give up. Keep working at it. Keep planting the seeds of righteousness. Keep doing the things that you need to do. And I, I love the way that, that Paul describes it because I, I think it has direct application for our relationships today. Hear, hear this word again. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. Whatever opportunity you have in your relationship, do the right thing. But what about as a church? Don't we get tired as a church? Let me ask this. Uh, when you're out there doing a block party, when it's 95 degrees, and there's no breeze. Sometimes you get a little weird doing the right thing. What about next week in Vacation Bible School? Let's talk about Monday. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of energy. But what about Wednesday? And you're getting up again. You're coming back up here. And you're starting to get tired. And you think, are these kids even hearing me? Am I making any difference at all? Is this just a waste? Or is there any difference to be made? Or as you're out delivering that meals on wheel, at meal on wheel, however you say it, as you're out there doing that, and you climb those steps for the hundredth time, and you think, is this really making any difference? I mean, these people seem like they're doing okay. Why do they need another meal? And you hear the words of Paul, don't give up. Keep doing the good that you're doing. Or what if you're down at the Veterans Center, and it's the... Uh, uh, the first Monday night of, of every month, and you take the birthday cake over there and you begin to cut it up and you begin to wonder, do these guys even know how much we care about them? Will these guys ever come to our church or will they ever go to any church or does it make any difference at all what we do in their lives? Paul says, keep on going. Keep on sowing. Look ahead. You will see a harvest of righteousness. What about the things that we do week after week as we gather here for worship and as we have Sunday school and all the other things that, that we do day after day as a church? We need to hear there is a harvest to come. But maybe we're just in that seed planting stage. We just need to keep planting those seeds. This uh, past week I was watching the History Channel just looking through and I saw that uh, the Titans, the the Titans of America was on, or something like that. And you can see some of these that are here, the, the Titans who really uh, formed and shaped uh, America during their time. You have uh, Rockefeller, uh, you have Carnegie, you have uh, J.P. Morgan, and you have Thomas Edison. And uh, th These guys are all the Titans. They, they either are running the railroad, they're running electricity, or the power plants, or banking. They have all these huge things that they're building and developing. And, the, the commentator who was uh, going through this series, and it's a great series, as he was going through, he talked about how these men didn't have just a small little vision about what they could do and uh, what they could take over in the next week. It was about an empire. Morgan wanted to create the, the biggest uh, power empire that he could ever have, of, of having the one who created and sustained electricity all throughout the United States. Uh, Ford, I think, Ford is one of those. Ford wanted to have every common man have a car. I mean, that was his vision. And he wanted to create an empire. 
Some of you drove Fords here today as a result of that. Now, these guys were not always uh, ethical and, and on the moral side of things, but their vision for an empire is incredible, and it's inspiring. And I think it's inspiring to us as we talk about building and growing a harvest of righteousness, that we would look beyond what happens tomorrow, and we would look ahead to the future. And with that vision in place, that we would keep taking step after step, taking seed after seed, and planting it to keep on going. The future is ahead. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks today that you allow us to be involved in your kingdom work. And we realize that, that your kingdom is not always easy. In fact, you have said that it will be difficult.